Let your mind be disconnected from everywhere else. Just become aware of this moment. And feel how it feels like. We will chant Omkar. Take a deep breath. Chakra's literal meaning is like a wheel, something that rotates. And chakra also means like a cycle. So here, in this context, it means a vortex which is like a wheel which rotates. And in this rotation, it has some functions to perform. Now you all must have seen, you know, we have sprinklers in the garden. Yes? Have you seen a sprinkler? Yes. How does it work? <laughs> it works by rotating. What is the fundamental technique behind it. How does the sprinkler rotate? It doesn't have a motor. You know I have an electrical it's motor. The pressure of the water. It's the pressure of the water. With the kinetic energy of water, it rotates. And the speed, the RPMs that it covers, it depends upon pressure. the pressure of the water, the force. So water comes from one side and it is distributed in a circular motion. So the same principle you can implement on chakra. The prana enters and then it distributes the pranic energy by motion. 
by movement. It's like sprinkling. The only difference is that the sprinkling here is very organized. In every chakra, the sprinkling is organized through nadis. There are specific directions. It's not random. Now, before understanding these chakras, you must have read about them for, of course, yes? Yes. What do you know about? What, what are chakras in general? What do you think? Shakti points. Where? Hmm? Where? Yes, exactly. Where in my body? Mm. Here? Mm. All, yeah. all along the spine. Okay. Yes. That's it. Nice. <laughs> Alright, anything else? Yeah, it's Kundalini. That <laughs> <laughs> is sleeping at the bottom. Uh, oh, you know everything, okay. Seriously. Reaction. This is just a few things that I've read. It could be like each one feels strong and it has a direction to flow. What they mean? Do you have any understanding about it? What is the meaning? What they stands for? What these chakras stands for? There are some for focal points. The focus in specific. And then as a whole it combines. Yes. The lower one is from sexual energy. This one is for the wishes from food and Things. Love. 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 Okay. It's like a seven-step path. Yeah. Huh? Seven steps? Seven steps to reach Samadhi. Mm, okay. Alright. <laughs> See. <laughs> we call yoga as evolution. Okay, it's an evolutionary science. And we have called it this for thousands of years even when the word evolution was not coined. From then, since then, it's considered not just as something that you sit and think about, it's something that you actually use. It's a technology, basically. And every age has their own science and every age has their own technology. We live in a mechanical age, so we have mechanical technology. These guys used to live in more organic age, so they have organic technologies which did not depend upon machines or devices. But evolution was relevant even then. And different systems were developed to speed up this evolution. Because otherwise it takes you know, many years or many lives. But if somebody is in a hurry, then they can be given a fast-paced method. So, when we talk about evolution, what do you understand by that? What is evolution? Mm -hmm. Something that transforms and takes different shapes. Okay. Improvement. Hmm? Improve. Improvement. Adapting. 
Adapting. Progression. Hmm? Progression. Correction. Pro progression. Progression. Okay. And how do you perceive evolution? Or how do you conceive the whole idea of evolution? What it is? How it is conceived or visualized in your mind? Is it just that you lose your tail? <laughs> no. Yeah, of course it's not. It's not related to the body yeah. and not to the mind. Mm -hmm. It's more, I guess, it's more related to the, the state that you can reach when you are in harmony and you feel yourself part of the universe, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. So evolution is more concerned with your consciousness. See, consciousness is a term which is very vividly used. So there is a biological consciousness, there is a psychological consciousness, and there is a spiritual consciousness. This word has been used differently in different backgrounds, in different disciplines. When we use the word in yoga, it refers to your it refers to your self. And in yoga we consider that the self has an existence. It is an entity. In biology they do not accept the idea of any kind of self. For them consciousness is just an outcome or a product of your neurons firing. That collectively makes up your consciousness. So this idea or this description is limited as compared to the yogic description because here we talk about consciousness as a distinct entity which is present in everybody. Its quality is nothing. It does not have any quality. So the yogic philosophy says that your atma or your soul is without any qualities or without any attributes. It's plain. It's pure. And it cannot be diluted ever. Your soul cannot commit anything because it is a passive entity. Like Purusha, we talked about. Yes, you remember? Purusha, Prakriti, consciousness matter. Whatever happens, it happens in and from the matter. Nothing happens from the consciousness or from the soul. And it has been like that forever. It has been like that forever. And there is no discrimination, there is no qualitative attributes, nothing. It's neither black nor white, it's neither male nor female. It's neither from the earth nor from the Mars. It's just that. But because we or our minds work in relativity, it is difficult for us to perceive this idea that there can be any existence without any quality. So like a person You see somebody just sitting at one spot for one hour and doing nothing. That guy don't move. Just sitting at one place. 
So what will be the most common impression that people will generate in their mind? That this guy is he's dead. Or he's an introvert. Or he's like a depressed guy. Lazy. Lazy. Because we think relatively. For us, to live means to be always in a mode of action. For us to be alive means to be always jumping, dancing, doing this or doing that. Doing. So for us it is difficult to comprehend any idea of purity without any quality. Or existence without any qualification. So it takes a while for somebody who thinks and contemplates on the soul to reach to that point. Because there are many barriers in between. The first barrier is your mind. Your mind gives you an impression that, okay, you have reached the point, this is your soul. No, that is not your soul. That is your mind speaking to you. That I am your soul. Trust me. Soul never speaks to nobody. It is just present. And it is always present, irrespective of what the conditions are. It is always going to be present. This is the fundamental principle. And this Atma, <coughs> although it is inactive, it is uncontaminated, but it has to undergo some provisions. When it comes under the boundaries and under the effects of nature or prakriti, it has to exist according to those rules. So you go to any place, you have to follow the rules. Which side you will drive, depends upon which country you are in. Hmm? You cannot drive your choice. That I drive at left on my home, so I'll drive left in this country also. You'll be fined. <laughs> You'll be penalized. So when this soul comes under this dimension, of nature, of matter, it has to be following the rules which are set for this dimension. And following these rules, it is granted some provisions. Some provisions are provided to it which acts like propellers of this consciousness. You know propeller? Something which pushes you forward. Something that makes you move, brings you in motion. And those provisions are known as sanskaras and vasanas. I think I told you about them. The impressions and the instincts. So the causal body that we talked about, the karnasharya, is that provision which is embedded to this soul. And that Karan Sharir or the causal body becomes the propelling force of driving this consciousness into different life forms, into different situations. Otherwise, if it is just consciousness, it won't get involved into any kind of action or momentum. There will be no progression. Because it is self-content, it is self-reliant, it is self-sustained entity, it does not want anything. So you see all these people who claim or who are said to be like enlightened people, you will see a difference in their behavior and lifestyle. 
Because when somebody gets established in that consciousness, they drop all the basic and the lower behavioral patterns. They are all vanished. So all the ancient teaching says that no desires left. Become desireless. Yeah? Desirelessness. This is something which is talked about a lot. But you cannot become desireless. Unless and until you don't reach to that state. So people started thinking opposite, that by becoming desireless you can obtain consciousness, which is just the opposite. When you obtain the consciousness, you become desireless, but it cannot be wise words. It cannot be taken the other way. So this consciousness, nobody knows the reason why is sent over into this dimension of physical manifestation or material manifestation. And then it has to go through multiple platforms. That is called evolution. Consciousness evolving from the most basic to the advanced forms of life. Same consciousness Advancing from the most primitive to the advanced form of life. That is called evolution. And it is highly personal. Highly personalized. So as a consciousness, you all are evolving. And you have evolved from some state to this current state. And you will evolve from this state to some other states. And everybody is supposed to be like that. Even if we agree to it or not. Everybody is subjected to this protection. These chakras, they correspond to certain levels of this evolution. Each chakra is one level of evolution of human consciousness. So we talk about six of them, because seventh is not the chakra actually, it's some, something different. We talk about six such platforms. So as a human being, there are six levels on which we have to evolve. And the first level is called Muladha. Now this word is very important. Muladhar. Hmm? Because the word mool means yeah, root. Root. Hmm. Origin. Or original. Or roots. Mool. And Aadhaar is base. So what is your original base? What is your root base on which your consciousness grows and stands? That is the first point of evolution. This is where, from where we start becoming humans. Before that, we are animals. So in the animals, Muladhar is the highest chakra. 
and in the humans it is the lowest chakra when that creative energy of life reaches to a point of muladhara then the consciousness evolves as human being so if i was somebody else in my previous life and i must have reached to a point where my energy was in muladhara that's why i got this life it depends where your energy currently is whether it is in muladhara or whether it is in some other center can we go back also and <laughs> <laughs> it's a regression is that of evolution or let the people that behave very bad do they go back as per the current situation there's no need to go back because you can have all the suffering as human being but well, you can come back to be an animal you can born as a human but you can still be an animal okay because <laughs> you see there is a balance which is maintained in nature as the other species falls short the human population rises so we have just dumped all the animal species almost all of them have been dumped from the planet how many tigers are left yeah but 3800 out of them 2700 are in india and the rest in the rest of the world so we have dumped the entire species of tigers and similar with others so where all those guys will go insects you they will have insects even insects are not burning now not taking birth so rapidly as humans are so they, so they will all shift humans? here yes because they will be forced there is no other option they will be forced to take this life form because the opportunity is available more and more people are interacting so that's why there are so much that's why there is so much of humans <laughs> i want to know what is next Now, what is next? After we are human, next. After humans, there are four or five more possibilities which you can take. So they are like Gandharva, Deva, and there are more typical Sanskrit names. So there are four or five more possibilities because before eventually you reach to a point from where you don't come back. That is called the destination. So from Muladhara, it is most probable that you will move forward. But if it is too much, <laughs> then you can go back also. You can revert back. But that reversion is very rare. And it's very difficult. You must have done something really, really horrible in order to make your life energy withdrawn backwards. Otherwise, it's a forward progression. Yeah, but naturally, you will get uh, another human life, not any kind of other life. Ninety-nine percent, you will get another human life. Okay. 99% chances are that you will get another human life okay. if there is some work left if there is no work left then you will not get it but if there are other points to be explored after muladhara then you will come back again because whatever you do as a part of this evolution that is not wasted the efforts that we put they are not wasted you know they are like your equity you add it to yourself 
and it becomes your property, your wealth. And in India we say that that is the only thing that goes with you when you leave from this world. Nothing goes with you. All the acquisitions, money, property, wealth, relationships, everything you just leave behind. But this is something that you take with you. So sadhana is a must for everybody, irrespective of who you are and where you live. You must have some kind of sadhana in your daily life. Sadhana means your own spiritual practice. Because that is going to be your real wealth, your real acquisition. So Muladhar is that base point on which we stand as human beings and this is the center which is related with the most basic instincts which drives our life. You know the most basic instincts? What are the most basic instincts that drives almost everybody? Food and reproduction. Survival. Somehow, the survival has to be maintained. This is the first priority for most of us. And that's why everything we do is mostly for the survival. So you need food, you need clothes, you need shelter, safety. So Muladhar is that center which contains all the primitive instincts plus the sexuality. Sexuality in the sense that a person wants to give birth or progeny, procreate. Because that is also an instinct of survival. We foresee ourselves in our children. Nobody wants to die, this is for sure. Everybody wants to live forever. It's your mind, it's things like that. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs> How do you go? That's an important thing. Right. Hmm. So at Muladhara, a person naturally wants to procreate because they want to see themselves living through their kids. This is one way of continuing the life, your life. Now if Muladhara is blocked, it has got some problems, then there will be a couple of symptoms that you will see. The first thing is you will have a very low vitality. Vitality. Your vital energy will be too low. You will not be interested. Or you will not be able to find a place for yourself in this world, in this dimension. Difficult to fit in, yes? That we call sometimes. I don't belong. <laughs> I belong somewhere else. It happens to most of us. <coughs> and we won't, be, we won't be willing, actually, to get involved with anybody. It will be too difficult. 
to get engaged or to get involved. There'll be too much of, no, I don't want this, I don't want that. Too much of segregation. That is blocked Muladhara. If Muladhara is open, you will see that there is too much or very, very strong vitality. You are grounded. You don't get depressed. You don't get anxious. You go steadily throughout the course of life. Whatever life brings you, you accept it. This is the first sign of how well we are doing. How much adaptable we are. This center is located at a point in our body which is called perineum. <coughs> perineum is the midpoint between the genital organs and the excretory organs, the anus. So when you sit on the floor cross-legged, this is this point which is directly in touch with the ground. For those people who can actually sit comfortably. Right? That's why there is so much of hip opening. Yes, so much of hip opening. Because you get to stimulate this point somehow. This is close Muladhara. <laughs> this is a representation of constricted Muladhara. The pelvis is too tight, too rigid. Because physiologically, Muladhara is related with your pelvis, with your intestines, especially the large intestines. <coughs> and your sexual organs. The mantra, every chakra has a big mantra, or like a sound to which it can be stimulated. And the mantra of Muladhar is Lam. That's the symbol? That's the symbol, the Bij mantra. You know Bij mantra? Yes, what is the Bij Mantra? No? You haven't heard that. Seed Mantra. Seed something. Bij means seed. And every chakra has a seed sound, a vibration, which can be tapped. Now next is Swadishtha, just above Muladha. <coughs> sense of drawing a visualization. So when you are doing some visualization practices based on chakras, then you get to know the colors. And honestly, there is a very complex design. So there are like not just colors, but there is a mandala, there are petals, there are squares, rectangles, and all that stuff. And then there are animals which are placed. And there are so many other representations, which will take a lot of time. <coughs> I'm not going into those details. <coughs> Next is Swadhishtha. The meaning of the word Swadhishtha, Swa and Adhishtha, two words. Swa is you, yourself, self, myself, Swa. Adhishtha is home or abode. 
So the abode of the self, house, your own place is Swadeshta. That doesn't mean that you belong here. <laughs> this is another center which is very much similar to Muladha, also instinctive. The instincts here are, however, different. They are more sexual. And when we say sexual, they don't relate to progeny, they relate to satisfaction of desires and seeking pleasure out of sexual interaction. So at Swadeshthana, pleasure takes birth. When we start seeking pleasure, primitive instincts, muladha, survival is important. Once survival is maintained, then we start getting interested into having some fun. So you have a good job, <laughs> only then you can go for a hangout. You don't have a good job, you'll be finding and searching a job. Right? Hanging out is very difficult. So, muladhar, good job. Security, safety. Money is coming in your accounts, and now you're free to use it. The next thing that you will do is you will try to find something like pleasurable for yourself. So at Swadishtan, the energy of life is expressed as the desire for pleasure. It is just the expression of the energy of life. At Muladhara, it was expressing itself as survival. At Swadishtan, it expresses itself as the pleasure. Now with the pleasure comes some problem, hmm? because pleasure always seek something or somebody. Yes, of course, more, but you will need something or somebody if you are objectively interested in pleasure. And once you have that somebody, another big problem comes. Or when you have that something, another big problem comes. That with every round of pleasure, there is an intensifying fear which takes place inside. So more we get attached to things and objects, more fear develops inside. Now what that fear is about? Losing. So more a person becomes attached, more fear grows inside. That is proportionate more you objectify your awareness, more you become scared. Less objects, less fear. No objects, no fear. Simple mathematics. No attachments. Huh? No attachments. Uh, attachments are problems, always. They're always problems. <laughs> In the long run, they always bring problems. But here nobody is propagating that throw away all your things outside. It's different to have a thing or to have an object and to be attached to an object. These two are totally different states of being. You can use a car or you can be attached to a car. Both possibilities are there. You can use your mobile or you can be attached to mobile. You can use your money or you can be attached to money. Two different states. The second one will bring problem. The first one will never bring problem. 
Money is there to be used. Nobody refrains from using it. Use it. Don't get attached to it. Once you start getting attached to it, you will get stuck into that trap. And the trap is too deep, really deep. Andakupa Mahabaya. It's like a dark well. You know well? From where you fetch the water? It's like a deep, dark well. You don't know how deep it is. Just keep going inside, 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 and then a point comes when you don't find how to go back. So getting attached <coughs> is problematic. And that's what comes from Swadishtana. If Swadishtana is blocked, there will be too much attachments. And there will be too much fears in life. Too much of desperation. And then with that is created a false sense of ego. So Swadishtan has to be cleared in order to get rid of these issues. And when these issues are cleared, a person sees like an enhancement in their potential energies. When Muladhar and Swadishtan are cleared, the energy is enhanced multiple times. Because that energy which was stuck in all these kind of issues, now it's free. It's free to be used. You can live with it. And you can live more substantially with it. And more fulfilled with it. You can face your life with more substance, with more confidence. You don't get shaped on the slightest of turn of events. You don't get broken when there are hammers of life falling on your head. <laughs> so Swad Muladhar and Swadhisthan, these are two centers which necessarily needs to be crossed if we seek any kind of progression in life. And they are the most difficult ones most difficult ones because the threads are so strong it's really very difficult it takes a lot of effort to untie yourself from those clutches you see like if you have a sugar candy in your hand so you try to just remove it from this hand it gets stuck on this hand you remove it from this hand it gets stuck on this hand it happens like that you know we keep playing around with the sugar candy and it doesn't work. So, the main, the main periphery of entering into yoga practices is to harmonize these two chakras primarily. The main entry point in the yoga system or in the yoga practices is to harmonize these two chakras. Because without that initial harmony, we cannot be anywhere. If you are struggling with your instincts, if you are struggling with your desires, then we can't expect any kind of growth or development. And the desires are deep-rooted, very deep-rooted. So a careful program, a careful work, 
a careful sequence and organized way of training is that's why essential and I will repeat again and I repeat it again <clears throat> that please don't take yoga as a physical workout technique only it is not a form of exercise alone yes it is an exercise but this exercise involves all the other parts of you you are not here to be flexible please forget about that yoga has nothing to do with flexibility okay and stretching also so please don't use the word stretching ever in your classes <laughs> we don't stretch in fact you don't stretch anything you just find your ground where you stand take one and asana what are you trying to do in a posture if you are trying to stretch yourself you will get tired you will get exhausted you are pushing more chaturanga <laughs> it will break your arms and you will end up nowhere so change this approach find your ground in any posture find where you are grounded where do you stand are you standing firm or not are you holding firm or not this is where you start firm strongly yeah. firmness yeah so an organized structured program practice is going to help you to gradually <coughs> climb up these ladders of muladhara and swadhisthana and then there are other centers about that the third one is manipura it is called how oh, is the mantra of some third is manipura and it is called the fire center situated in the navel here just behind your belly button if you go to your spine that's your manipura and after the instinct pleasure the third step that you will find everybody is interested in power so on this platform we see power strength so when your job is there when you have hand out and what you will seek you will seek to dominate somebody become a boss get promoted <laughs> manipur is that center from where all these urge of having strength and power comes it can be physical it can be mental physically manipur is the center which is associated with your digestion with your core it gives vitality nourishment and nutrition to the whole system 
and psychologically it is associated with negative and positive kind of feelings anger hatred jealousy fear frustrations these are all a part of manipura and also positive feelings determination confidence courage self control intention to help and provide support this is manipura this is also an instinctual center but slightly more refined than the previous two and then when the world of instincts is crossed we move into the world of what's next to the instinct feelings <coughs> and that is our fourth center which is called anahata sometimes on the physical body as well as in your mind so you will have like digestive issues you will have low nutrition or lack of nutrition no matter how good you eat and psychologically you will be more frustrated you will be more annoyed you will be more in anger because why do we get angry or annoyed it's because of our incapability to control the situation this is the primary cause of anger and we cannot control the situation because we lack the necessary strength or will or courage so that will automatically lead to anger and frustration so weak manipura is the source of all these kind of negative aspects which comes into our lives then anahata it's called the heart center so from instincts now we rise up the life or the creative energy now moves up towards feelings emotions the word anahata means <coughs> unstruck it's a very important word and very beautiful struck and unstruck these are two types of words strike you know you strike something strike 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 as the arm you know you struck ah strike how do you clap how do you clap this is a strike what happens when you clap what is produced sound So every sound in this existence is produced from a struck the collision of two objects that is called ahatta ahatta 
Now, if you add un, it becomes un unstruck. Sound without a struck. So, anahat is a place where this cosmic unstruck sound is manifesting as a continuous rhythm, continuous rhythm, <coughs> undying rhythm. And what is there in your chest which represents this continuous rhythm? It's your heart. You know, according to some estimates, if all the conditions are maintained, heart will never stop beating. These are some studies. It will never stop beating. If everything is maintained properly, all the situations surrounding the heart, it can go till eternity. This is not me saying, this is physiologists who say that. It's because of our misdeeds, it stops working. If the tissues can be maintained, and they can be, there is no doubt in that. The tissues and the cells of the physical body can be maintained for as long as we want. In the old cultures, we have a concept of Icha Mrityu, choosing your death. There have been people who had this ability to choose when they are going to die. And they won't die before that. Death will not come to them. And there have been many people like that. One of them was, I told you, Devraba. He had this ability to choose the time when he is going to die. So this is an unending, undying rhythm or pulsation of unstruck sound which is manifesting in Anahata Chakra. That's why it's called Anahata. And it is represented through the physical heart. And along with the physical heart, you will also find certain vibrations in this whole kshetra, in this whole field, which are primitive and which are just like unknown, where they come from. So this becomes a very powerful center where a person actually transforms. It is said that your basic instinct transforms at Anahat Chakra. You stop being dictated and governed by your instincts. And now a new world of feelings, emotions and conscious behavior opens up. This is represented by the sound of Yang. The Bija Mantra is Yang. And it is behind this, what do you call this bone? sternum, chest bone. So behind the sternum, in the spinal cord, is the seat of Anahata Now if Anahata Chakra is blocked, you will find that the person will struggle. And they struggle a lot with their emotions. Emotions. It is difficult to manage them, even the smallest or the lightest. <coughs> hyper emotional, impulsive people, there are people like that. Hyper, super emotional. This is a typical sign of a weak anahata.
something will happen and there will be like palpitation tak 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 happening here and the legs starts to shake and the whole body is shivering panic attacks confusions difficulty of acceptance accepting things difficulty in relating and connecting anahata blocked and when open it provides so much energy that you can use your energy to spare to heat others you know healers there are healers who do energy work so if you really want to become one you just want to keep to work you have to keep working on your anahata and above this is the fifth which is called vishuddha Vishuddha, a higher dimension is experienced. Just slightly incomprehensible because we know very less about this. Vishuddha is related with your creative abilities, creative expression, your speech, your words. their influence their impact your ability to hold the truth truth is important and the purity of your thoughts and the purity of your body These are all the qualities of Vishuddha. What's the next? There? No, the, the last words that you said. Where did you left? La pureza del cuerpo. So it's like a dimension which is more, more, more refined even the emotions. It represents your thought, your perceptions, and how do you convert your perceptions into expression? and how true and how realistic they are are you able to exactly manifest or express your perceptions mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. once you hear you will this is vishuddha and this is where the actual discernment happens the person is able to distinguish between reality and non reality you are able to have this discrimination what is real and what is unreal so at vishuddha we start living in the higher dimensions of our consciousness or the mind and above that is agnya which is said to be the most sophisticated center yeah. uh. People call it Ajna, but this is the word actually is Ajna.
Ajnana is the seat of higher mind. Where, apart from all the other mental faculties, something that is also manifested, which is called intuition. And with intuition comes the direct knowledge of various aspects of life. Knowledge. Not information. Knowledge. And this Agya Chakra is the command center of all the other centers. Command, control. So, for a very long time, it has been like a practice, <coughs> it has become a habit to do something to keep stimulating this Agya Chakra. <coughs> Especially in this country, a lot of rituals were designed. And one of them, very simple, and you see it very often, is to put this. So, this was observed and experienced that certain substances can be very positively stimulating for Agya Chakra. And sandalwood is one of them. So, every morning you put some sandalwood paste on your forehead, just where your Agya Chakra is. And this is here, right in the middle of your eyebrows. So, this is the right spot of putting this tilak, as we call it. Tilak. And it's for both men and women. So you'll see women placing those red color of things, men placing some white or some yellow things. So what's the difference between Tilak and Bindi? is a modern version of Tilak. Okay. <laughs> it is more like fashion statement. Okay. <laughs> so the, the reason to put it is only to help your Agya Chakra. Because this is the most important part of your life. If you don't have any activity around your Agya, then you will lack discipline and any kind of order in your life. Your life is like a random boat. You can just go anywhere with the wind. So if you are looking for a direction, for an inner discipline, for an inner wisdom, you need some kind of activity around here, in the Agya Chakra. But uh, we cannot harmonize this Chakra if we don't have any other ones or not. That's exactly where I'm coming. So, Agya stimulation, some kind of stimulation has been worked out in all the cultures in the past. Even in some cultures, they used to do some surgeries around the center. <laughs> they will drill through the Agya Chakra. Spare the point. Ah, they will drill through here. And they will try to stimulate, but physically it doesn't exist. So those operations, they didn't last it for long. But yet, they did it. So whatever in their capacity, different cultures, they were able to understand to do. They did that. Now, something which is important to understand, that these chakras can exist in three states. They can be blocked. They can be open and they can be active. So 
So blocking and opening, it's a different practice. And awakening is a different practice. Okay, do you understand? Blocking or opening, different. But awakening is an altogether different issue, completely different matter. Whatever is done anywhere in the yogic practices or yoga schools or yoga styles, they are working mostly on opening or blocking or removing the blockings of the chakras. Because awakening is not a cup of tea for everybody. It is a totally different issue. And then there is another thing which is called the chakra harmony. When you work upon removing the blockages, then you have to go in a sequence. You can't just go randomly. Because each of them are interlinked to the other one. So you can't just have a full scale working anahata chakra and the other ones are blocked. That will be a disharmony or, un or unharmony. And that is more dangerous than having all the chakras blocked. To have any chakra working out of context and the other chakras are still blocked. This is a more difficult situation. So whenever there is some kind of work on removing the blockages of the chakras, it has to be always in a sequence. So from Muladhara to Agya and back from Agya to Muladhara, this is the sequence we should follow. And Agya is important because it is going to control the working of the other chakras. So more work needs to be done on that. But it always starts from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6 and then 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, like that. Okay, that's how we maintain <coughs> harmony. That's all for today. Thank you very much. You mentioned three stages blocked, open, and activated. Is this for all chakras or just for all, of them. all of them? All of them. And once they are unblocked, they are, I mean, open. They are open forever. Well, if you don't do anything stupid, <laughs> they remain open. And then you progress with it. Okay, but you have to use that. You don't just leave it like that. What is the sound for the. Om. Om. Yeah.